Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Come on, House family. I'm so excited that you're in church today. Like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm glad that you're here. I hope that you are welcomed and feel loved. And, and here at the house, we get excited about the word. Isn't that right? Come on. Okay, okay. So, so uh, that wasn't, wasn't what I was expecting. I'm going to just go ahead and let you know. I was expecting us to be here, and we came in about right here. And so don't we get excited about the word here? Come on. Well, we're going to. We're going to get into the word, but before I do that, um, I do want to give honor where honor is due. And, um, you know, we always make sure that we honor our pastors because, honestly, they've been more than just leaders in my life. They've been a spiritual father and and a spiritual mother in my life. And I'm just telling you, anything that that you look at me and see, oh, that's that's good, um, I got that from them. And anything that you see that you don't like, they just haven't gotten there yet. So, so, but... But we love them. Don't you love our pastors and know that they have a heart for people? Come on, join me in honoring them. And then also our team. You know, it takes more than just two people to build a church that that is this life-giving and and fruitful. It takes more than just our staff. But it takes people sacrificing and and, and giving. And even people who work full-time jobs and give up one of their only off days or their only off day to come up here. And I I know you thought you just came to church and the air was already set like that and we just leave it like that. And I know you think they just showed up on the stage and they just knew all those songs by heart. But some people were here preparing for you earlier this week. People got here before you to make a way for people to meet God. And I, and I just think we should honor our team and our people. Come on, join me in honoring them. Come on. Well, we are in a series called More. And, and Jeff Hazel kicked it off last week. He preached about being prepared for more. And I'm just telling you, he killed it. He did an awesome job. I left with a page full of notes. And, and if you didn't watch that yet or you weren't here, and you need to go back and listen to that because I'm just going to kind of pick up where he left off. And, w- and when we talk about more, um, we are meaning more of God and more of his plan for your life. We're meaning that God has more for you. Come on, are you ready for the word this morning? Come on. Okay, I'm going to have you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and uh, we're going to look at verses 6 through 12. But, but before we, we get all the way there, I got to let you know something about me. I love sports. Come on, where are my other sports people at? Come on, come on. Don't try to act shy now. I've been by y'all when the Cowboys were playing or the Razorbacks are playing. Don't get shy on me now. Um, but, but I love sports. And before this past year, you know, I would have said I'm the type of person that prefers to just watch them on TV. You know, the idea of going to a live sporting event, I'm an introvert, so there's always like a ton of people there. You got to find parking or either you got to pay for parking. And then the nachos are like $10. And I'm like, bro, you, you got these chips from the aisle in Walmart and you got the canned cheese and that costs you $10 to make a thousand of these and you charging me $10. I'm not with it. I'm not, I'm not paying that. Um, but this past year, I got to go to a lot of sporting events in person, okay? So I went to my first Chiefs game. Come on, somebody with a Chiefs fan at? And, and we barely won. We beat the Giants, and I was hype about that because it was just kind of downhill from there, and we're not going to talk about that and bring up all my wounds. Um, <laughs> but this, this, this past year, I got to go to my first Razorback baseball game. Come on, now, now you need to know that I love sports, but the, but the other thing you need to know about me is, is that I'm black, okay? I'm black. I don't know. You probably were wondering, but I'm just going to go ahead and let you know. And, and because of that, 
I didn't really grow up playing baseball, okay? Baseball wasn't really the sport that we chose. We were doing football or basketball. And so I know you know like tons of black people that love baseball. And I ain't talking about them. I'm talking about me, okay? And so... (laughs) And so Jeff invited me to go to this baseball game with him, okay? And I'm going to be honest, I decided to go not because I care about baseball at all or know what's going on with baseball at all. I just wanted to hang out with Jeff. And I was like, Jeff's cool, we're going to go hang out. And uh, Jeff gave me the full experience because we, don't, we weren't just in like normal seats. We were in the den, okay? And if you haven't been to the den, you need to go to the den. I'm just telling you, this is where, like, the real fans are at. This is where the people are going crazy. There were liquids flying. There were people shouting. And I didn't have, even though I didn't know anything about the sport of baseball, I didn't have to guess what was going on. I didn't have to guess if the team was doing good, and I didn't have to guess if the team was doing bad because the people around me to the front and the back and the left and the right, they were letting me know, like, yo, we either killing it right now or they killing us. And so today, I just want to ask you, can you come on, give me some feedback, let me know if I'm doing good, say amen. If I'm doing bad, you could just be quiet, but, but <laughs> we don't need to know that. But, but we're not going to let basket, I mean, baseball fans be louder than the people of God when the word is going forth. Because while home runs are awesome, that's not changing anyone's life. But the word of God, when it goes forth, come on, it can plant a seed in your heart and it can begin to transform some things for you. So we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. And um, it says this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower And bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Come on, let's pray. God, first and foremost, we're grateful. We're grateful to be able to be in your house and and praise your name and, and sit under your word. God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're wanting to do today. Holy Spirit, I'm praying that you would activate something in our lives. Help us to leave this place not like we came in, but to leave differently with more perspective. I pray for every person in this room or or watching online that that they would have an encounter with you today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I am going to be preaching on plant it for more. Come on, look to your left and tell them plant for more. All right, look at the other person. Tell them, plant for more. Plant for more. Come on. Here is the great news about this verse is that more in your life, more of God and more of his plan, um, it's up to you. Like, it's it's proportional to the amount that you sow. Now, I got to let you know something before we really get into it about the cheat woods, okay? In my house, we're competitive. Okay, so, so, so we don't just play games to have fun. No, that's not what we do. And, and, I, and I hear you, you want to play games and have fun, but if that's what you like to do, don't come to McDonald Drive, don't come to the Cheatwood House, because we, we play games to win, okay? Okay, I'm not going to say who I learned that from, but we just don't play to, to have fun. We play to win. And, and it, but it goes beyond just games, okay? We're competitive about everything. And so I don't remember how the, exactly this came about, but I remember Sydney talking about her contractions when she was pregnant with Malachi. And I was thinking, you know what? That can't be that bad. Like, how bad can it be? You know, it's a, 
And so, and so every woman in the room right now, you're like, yeah, you don't, but it's okay. Uh, so I was like, nah, I can't. Come on, I'm a man. Like, I could, I could do whatever. And she was like, okay. And so Cindy is not the type where you can just say something and then not prove it. She's like, I want the evidence. And so Cindy orders this machine, this equipment, oh, yeah, that stimulates or simulates whatever it does. <laughs> it makes you feel like you're having contractions. And so she orders this, and she waits till her family is over, and we're all hanging out. And she's like, oh, Devin, you remember the other day when you were saying, like, the contraction's not a big deal? Well, guess what I got? And I should have known when she pulled it out that I did not want no smoke with this machine because, <laughs> because it had all these little patches and it was sticky. And there was like six or seven of them. And, and she stuck them to me. But I'm like, you know, the family is around, so I'm like, I got to be the man. <laughs> so this thing has ten levels. Ten levels. So we start on level one. And I'm like, okay, we good. This ain't that bad. This is it. I think I could do it. I could deliver a child right now. It's no biggie. <laughs> and then... She puts it on level two. And it's a little, it's a little uncomfortable, I'm not going to lie, a little tingly. So I'm like, okay, I think I could do it. But then she goes to level three, okay? And, and here's the thing about level three is that the pain intensified, and something about my body, when, I'm, when I clench up in pain, my leg just started going crazy. It was like, and I was like, why is this happening? And so I was like, get it off. And so yeah, I didn't want no more. Your boy tapped out after that. I was like, level three, if it's beyond that, I ain't delivering no kids. So I'm glad that God created you to do that. And while that's funny, I see so many people and so many times in my own life, I've tapped out for more. And I just want to come and encourage you today that God has more for you. And I feel like some people actually need to hear that more is good. Like, I know you look at the more and you think about all the stress that it's going to bring and all the responsibility that it's going to bring. But I just want to let you know that more is good for you. But if you have a vision in your life for more, um, you're going to have to plant for more. And the way that you'll hear it said a lot here at the house is that you have to sow where you want to go. You're going to have to sow where you want to go. I'm not much of a farmer. Um, I know you're shocked by that. <laughs> but I do know that you're going to have to sow something if you want to grow something. And so for every skeptic in the room, God wants you to have more. And we know that because since the beginning, when he placed Adam and Eve in the garden, what did he tell them? He told them to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth and to subdue it and to have dominion. In other words, God designed you to have more. Don't go through your life thinking, well, what I got is what I get. <laughs> I got my nine to five. Come on, I got my wife and my kids, and I'm just going to go to work, clock in, clock out. No, God has more for you. There's, you can't go on cruise control. There's things for you to do, and there's a blessing on the other side of sowing. If we look back at this verse, come on, it talks about there being grace and sufficiency and you abounding in every good work and an increase in righteousness and thankfulness towards God. Come on, that's some stuff that you want. But here's the thing. More is up to you. More is up to you, and it's, it's proportional to what you sow. It's not proportional to what we know. It's not proportional to what we think. Um, it's not proportional to what we understand. We have to plant if we want more. And so we have this, this young guy in our, in our youth group, and, and he loves basketball, okay? And we actually have a few different guys who, who love basketball. And I love it because I like playing basketball. And so when they come, when the weather's nice, I like, you know what I'm saying, schooling them before youth group and just reminding them, like, I still got it. Like, don't, you know what I'm saying? Don't think. Maybe in a couple years you might get me, but for right now, I got you. And the other day I was, I was talking to him, and he was talking to me about wanting to get better at basketball. And he was like, man, I would be getting better at my game. 
but I don't have a ride to the gym. And I love when young people come to me and they tell me something, and it's like, oh, you think that's like the 100% truth. This is awesome. And so I start asking questions. I'm like, okay, so you are telling me you are not getting better at your game because you don't have a ride to the gym. Yeah, I'm just telling you, if I get a ride, next Steph Curry. I'm just telling you, if I get a ride to the gym, next Steph Curry. I'm like, okay. So you have a sidewalk at your house, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, many, how much are you dribbling a day? Well, yeah. So you got to, I know in basketball, you know, I'm kind of out of practice. I ain't played in a while, but I know you got to run up and down the court. Like you got to back and forth, back and forth. So how, mu- how many laps are you running around your neighborhood? Like, are you running? No, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I was like, okay, okay. So if you're not doing that, <laughs> then you're not, you're not even ready to get a ride to the gym. And I wasn't trying to make him feel bad. I, I, you know, I have a relationship with this young man. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to dog on him. But, but all I was saying was, hey, until you use what God has given you right now, you can't ask for more. And for every person in this room, maybe you're frustrated about not having more, but God is up in heaven like, hey, I've given you a lot, and I'm waiting for you to plant with what I've given you. Because we can't call things out of our control that are actually within our control. And your seed is what you control. There's some things that are in your realm of responsibility. God gave Adam and Eve a place in the garden to tend and to keep. In other words, it was their job to make it fruitful. And so for your life, either you can look at the things that are going wrong in your life and you can complain about them, or you can start to cultivate. Like you can go home today after church and be frustrated about how your house looks or about how your kids react to you, or you can begin to cultivate. You can come to church and you can complain about the systems and the things that we don't have, or you can come and you can use what God has given you to help us grow it. But here's what I love about this verse. Um, It teaches us that more doesn't come to eaters. It comes to sowers. God gives bread to eaters, but he gives seed to sowers. Matthew chapter 13 verse 12 says it like this. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And I know in 2022, that's not like the the most popular verse to share because we think if we'll just put all of our stuff in the middle and split it evenly, then it'll work. But but I think God knows that people who don't do well with a little are not going to do well with a lot. Come on, anybody uh, want $1,000? Like if you just want somebody to give you $1,000. And what I'm saying is like, if I'm not good with 10, if you give me 1,000, I'm just going to do the same thing with it. I'm just going to buy more. Um, And so you can't, but here's the deal. There are two things that we see from this. God gives bread to eaters, which you don't have to do anything to earn bread. You don't have to do a, a thing to earn bread. I believe that God wants to give you your bread. In fact, when Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray, he taught them to pray for their daily bread. And, and when Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, come on, God would send manna every day for them to gather and for them to eat because he wanted them to come back to him every day for their daily bread. And so I'm not dissing you if you eat bread. All I'm saying is, is that seed goes to sower. Second Corinthians 9 verse 10, and this is where we're really going to kind of camp out today. Um, it says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. More doesn't come to eaters. In Isaiah 55, it talks about God giving, more, giving bread to eaters. And if you're in this room right now and you're struggling to make ends meet, you need to know, like, no, no one's judging you. 
Um, I, I get that. I grew up on food stamps and welfare, and we had a three-bedroom trailer. And my mom has nine kids, so we were like three to a bed. So I'm not like I'm not hating on you for needing bread. All I'm saying is that God has more for you, but it's going to take you sowing. Because because here's the thing that I know about being a father is that is that when Malachi cries out in need, I want to meet that need. Like, there's very few things that motivate me more than the needs of my son. Like, I'm not at home telling him, hey, you need to do 10 push-ups before you eat a Lunchable. Like, that's, that's, not how we, that's not how we do it at my house. If you're hungry, you can eat. But just because I'm a father and I want to meet his needs doesn't mean that I'm going to give him things that he's not ready for yet. Like, I'm not dangling my Mazda keys in front of him like, yeah, <laughs> take it for a spin. I mean, he's three. That would be irresponsible of me. And so maybe God hasn't given you more because you haven't so shown your responsibility to him by becoming a sower. Come on, at the Cheatwood House, we also love watermelon, okay? So that's what you need to know about us. Basically, we love to compete and we love to eat watermelon, okay? If, if you come to my house in the summer, we're going to bust out like a half of watermelon. We got this fancy little scoop. It makes it into these perfect little balls and you could just eat like a thousand of them. It's great. I feel like the calories don't even count. Watermelon don't have calories. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> But growing up, we would always eat watermelon, and my mom would tell us, hey, don't swallow all those seeds, because if you do, then the watermelon is going to grow in your stomach. Come on, anybody mama told them that? Okay, your mama was lying to you too, because that's, <laughs> that's not how it works. But, but I believe that sometimes God has to remind us, like, listen, you're swallowing seed. You're swallowing the thing I gave you that actually is supposed to produce. And my mom wasn't trying to make me really think that watermelons was going to grow. She was trying to show me that, bro, that's not for you to swallow. And so seed doesn't grow in your stomach. It grows in the ground. And it is your job, it is our job to determine what is the bread that God has given me and what is the seed that he has given me. Because there's some times where, where you're in the word or you're spending time with God or, or God puts something on your heart or God convicts you of something. And that is... That is your bread. So you may not need to go on Instagram and, and post that, like, right away. Like, you may need to live that out a little while and get some freedom in that area before you start posting it. And then there's other times where he does give you something that's a seed. And the thing that helps me kind of differ, differentiate is that bread is what God gives me to provide for me. And seed is what God gives me to provide for others. But once you understand this, this is where the work comes in because not only do you have to determine, like, what's your seed and what's your bread, but once you know what your bread is, then you realize that the enemy loves to steal, kill, and destroy seed. Like, he's, he's after the seed. He, he always is after the seed because he knows that he can, if he can get the seed, then he can stop the next generation from knowing God. If he can get the seed, he can stop ministry from moving forward. If he can get the seed, he can get your legacy to stop with you and not go forward. So the enemy loves to steal, kill, and destroy your seed. But he's even craftier than that. Sometimes he doesn't even need to steal it, kill it, or destroy it. He just needs to get you to hold it. Come on, if he can just get you to hold your seed, because he knows, just like you know, that seed grows in the ground. And so if the enemy can keep it out of the ground, then he can keep fruit from coming forth, and he can keep you from moving into more. And I'll be honest, I've, I've caught myself multiple times with my seed in my hand, holding it back. And, and normally, it, it's either because of insecurity or because of impatience. Either I'm secure, insecure about the thing that God has given me, so you know what, I have this gift, but that person over there, I mean, their gift just looks a whole lot better than mine. It's a whole lot more fancy. 
Or I have this family, but that family down the street, though, like they look all put together. They never yell at each other in the grocery store. I never see them fighting. Like theirs is better. Or, or I have this amount of money, but why would, I even, why would I even give if I know there's other people who have way more money than me and way more intellect than me and way more ability than me? Why does my seed even matter? And the second thing is impatience. Come on. And we, lo- we live in a society that, that we don't really have to be patient for anything. We got an Uber. Come on. They could bring your food to you now? Oh, come on. That's hallelujah. <laughs> they finally getting it out to P-Rich. Finally getting it out there. I'm like, yes, Chick-fil-A. But we can get impatient with our seed because, well, if I sow this right now, then what am I, I going to do about today? If I invest for the future, then, then how am I going to handle my today? And if I give this to God, is he really going to return it back to me? And can I even afford to wait for it, for it to return back to me? Like, I need this right now. And all I can say is that you don't need to hold your seed. We have to understand that God has always worked through seed, time, and harvest. Because insecurity and impatience, they do this. They prevent you from moving into more. So God gives you seed, the thing that he's given you to provide for others, and then time. Time is the process by which things grow. You cannot plant something today and go and reap the fruit of that tomorrow. It's, it's impossible. And then harvest is the realization of the fruit of what's been planted. In Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 29, Jesus is telling a parable, and, and he says this. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces again. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. God is into seed, time, and harvest. And all throughout the Bible, he demonstrates to us how he takes something small and does something big with it. And so in the Old Testament, there's this prophet named Elisha. And, and he's alive during a time where there's a famine. And so um, the dude is hungry, okay? <laughs> and, and this mom has a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And he says, hey, if you'll give that to me, it, it'll never run empty. Like your jars will always be filled. And, and I'm sure <laughs> I'm a parent. I'll be like, listen, bro. <laughs> Me and Malachi are about to eat this little pancake we're going to make. And then this, liter- this lady literally says, then we're going to lay down and die. Like, like, like this is the last that we have. We're going to take this, and then we're just going to lay down and die. But, but, but she becomes obedient to what Elisha asks, asks her to do, and, and, and they never run out. That jar never runs out. And then, you know, Jeff preached last week about Noah and this, and this big flood that happened. And if you, you haven't heard about that, but most people have. But, but basically, God wanted to move through his people, but sin and wickedness just ran rampant. And so he had to, he had to wipe out everybody except for one family. And, and the story continues to where he meets this man named Abram. And God has this plan to bless all of the nations, to, to bless everyone. But, but he has to do it through, through one person. And so this man named Abram, who, who wasn't perfect, and who wasn't picture perfect or even, even had any kids, he said, I'm going to use you to bless all nations. The, the children of Israel go forth, and, and they take some land over time. But, but obviously, when you take land, you're going to have enemies, okay? And so, and so there, was this little, there was this young man 
who over time was anointed to become king. His name was David, and then he was sent back out into the field to, to tend to his father's flocks. And, and while he was doing that, come on, I, I can imagine he was having to protect them. Come on, he was fighting off bears and lions. And then one day there was a giant that pulled up on the children of Israel and was like, all of y'all are punks, and I'll just send one person, and, and I'm going to whoop them. And everybody was scared. Everybody that was bigger than David was scared. Everybody who had the right armor was scared. But David walked up and was like, what is going to be given to the guy that knocks this dude out? And with a slingshot. Now, you're going to you're gonna need more. I'm only about 130. And you're going to need more than a slingshot to hit your boy. <laughs> but, but with a slingshot, he takes out a giant. And then while Jesus is walking the earth, he, he, he's preaching to, to magnitudes. 5,000 people are there, and, and people are starting to get hungry, okay? They didn't have any fast food. They were just there to hear Jesus. And, and his disciples are like, hey, people are starting to get hungry. And, and they look out in the crowd, and they, and they notice a, a little boy with, with five loaves of bread and, and, and two fish. And, and Jesus is like, bring it to me. And I'm sure the boy is like, no, you're going to jack my snack. Like, <laughs> I didn't tell these people to come out here. But Jesus takes it, and he blesses it, and he breaks it, and he uses it to feed the magnitudes. And all I'm saying is that God loves to take your little and over the process of time do a lot with it. Don't despise what you have because you think it's too little or that it's going to take too long. Because Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 says this. It says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work Begin. God loves when you start to plant because the pressure is not on you to grow everything. It's just on you to sow whatever it is, no matter how small or insignificant you think it is, because God can do a lot with what you've planted. I'm sure by now you get the point. Um, you have to sow where you want to go. If you have vision for your life, it's going to take you sowing. And so you don't find a great marriage. You don't find a great family. Um, you don't find a great church or community or friendship or career. You don't find a great anything. You plant for more. You build it. You invest until you see it come to fruition. If we're going to see God create more space and more people and more ministry for our church, not just for our lives, it's going to take us sowing. It's going to take everybody. Not one person can do that. It's going to take all of us saying we are going to commit to get good at planting. And so real quick, I want to talk to us about five things you can start planting today. Because here's the great news. If you've been holding your seed and, and you just caught in it right now, you can start planting right now. It doesn't take a whole lot. It's not a 73-step process. You just got to dig a hole, throw the seed down, and put some dirt on it, okay? And so the first thing that God is asking us to plant is our days. See, the first thing you have to cultivate is your time. And the great thing about time is that, is that you don't get any more of it or any less of it. Come on, you get what God has ordained for you to have. You, you, you can't save up time. You can save up your off days, but you cannot save up time. And so either you are wasting your time or you're sowing your time. And it may be okay for everybody else to binge watch Netflix. It may be okay for everybody to stay up on what the latest, greatest thing on social media is. It may be okay for everybody else to do that. But for the calling of God on your life, you may have to start sowing your time elsewhere. You may have to take your time and begin to sow it in places that are fruitful. Because if we're being honest, my favorite pastime is wasting time. <laughs> I like to linger in the morning. Like I like to lay in the bed after my alarm has gone off for like 30 more minutes. I'm not even doing anything. I'm just staring at the wall. Just <laughs> I, I love to spend hours talking about 
athletes in basketball. They don't know me at all. <laughs> what I say about them does not affect them. Me watching the game does not make them do better or worse, but I love to waste time. And here's the thing. We can't waste all of our time and then blame God that we didn't get more. Psalm 90 says, so teach us to number our days so that we can grow in wisdom. You have to cultivate your time. So you can complain about the amount of time that you don't have, or you can cultivate and begin to build towards something. When you get a deadline at work, come on, when you have something at your house that needs to get done, you got a, you got a deadline, and you're going to have to sow your time to become fruitful. The second seed that, that we all have is, is dialogue. Come on, you're called to plant with your words. You're called to plant with your conversations. This is highly important because when you speak, you're planting seed. So with your mouth, you're either building the life that you want or you're destroying the life that you want. With what you say, you're, the power of life and death is in your tongue. Your tongue. So, so, but also, you have to watch what you say, but also you have to watch what other people are planting in your ears because your ears aren't just ears. They're ground. And the people that you have around you, what they say and what they speak and how they talk and how they react, all of that. I know you holier than them and you just like there to like, you know what I'm saying, evangelize to them. But you have to be careful what you allow people to speak into you because it will begin to produce fruit in your life. And so your church hurt Aunt Brenda, who is on her like fifth church in the last year, is probably not the person to go to. Like when, you're, when your life group leader makes you mad, that is just, that's, that's probably not going to help you. Your, your, your friend that you grew up with that just went through a divorce is probably not the person to go talk to when your wife makes you mad. Not because God doesn't love them and that you shouldn't love them, but because what they are going to plant is not going to produce what you want. So don't just let anyone speak into what you're believing God for. We have to be careful that we plant and allow to be planted in us what we plant and allow to be planted in us through what we say and what we hear. The third is your dollars. Come on, the third seed you're going to have to plant is your dollars. And I know, I know, but, but I'm going to have to talk about it. Because what you do with your money is, is important. God's money is for God. And God's money is for building the church. And so with God's money, we don't go and buy our groceries. With God's money, we don't go and pay our car note or pay our light bill. And, and I'm going to be honest, okay? It took me about, it took your boy about two years to really get into this tithing thing. Because when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, sound like you want my money, big dog. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. And so I was, I was blessed enough to go to college um, and have it completely p paid for. And so, um, like, once a semester, I would get that refund check. Come on. How many of y'all know about that refund check? Okay, okay. Don't act like I was the only one that balled out with that refund check. So I would get this refund check, and I'm, I'm going to buy clothes. I'm going to buy shoes. Your boy, I was looking good. Like, like you would never tell that I was a starving college student. Like, by what I was wearing, I was fresh. And uh, I remember my youth pastor one day um, giving me a ride home from church, and he was asking me, he was like, man, are you tithing? And, you know, I'll, not really, but I was, you know, $20 every now and then. I was just kind of giving it as I felt it. You know, I was just kind of giving it. And, and I was like, man, you know, sometimes. 
And he lovingly walked me through like, well, man, God doesn't sometimes decide to save you and not save you. God doesn't sometimes provide for you. And that really isn't your money. That's God's money, okay? And so the reason why I started tithing was because I thought that he was going to go check (laughs) and see if I was tithing. So I've just been doing it ever since then. (laughs) And so I know you had a spiritual moment and the Holy Spirit told you to start, but it was my youth pastor. I was just so... What are you doing with your seed? Where are you putting your seed? And it's, it, it doesn't even just stop. It start, I believe that it starts with your tithe, but it goes beyond your tithe. Like, what are you investing your money in? And so real quick, you cannot give all your seed to Seven Brew. I know. It's so good, though. <laughs> you cannot take all of your money to Old Navy or Shein or Gap or H&M or wherever you buy your clothes. You, you cannot take all of your seed to Amazon and fill up your cart. Come on, you're going to have to invest some of your seed into the dreams and the thing that God has called you to do. Because here's what you're doing. You're building their dream. <laughs> Every time you give them your money, you're building their dream. But who's going to build yours? When are you going to start to invest your money into your, into your dream? And so every time we get paid, we have to discern what if this is bread for me to provide for my family and then what of this is seed for me to invest in the kingdom of God into the things that I feel like he's called me to do? The fourth seed that God has given everyone to sow is your distress. Listen, every tear you cry and every pain you feel is, is seed in your life for more. Psalm 126, verse 5 through 6, um, it says this, Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Listen, it's okay to care enough about something to cry. I'm not saying to let our emotions run us, but I am saying that God gave you emotions and he gave you passions and things that you care about. And, and he given them, he's given them to you for a reason. So we can't be so holy that we're afraid to cry when we need something desperately from God. Because we feel like somebody's watching us or somebody's going to judge us or, you know what, I don't even really have it that bad. I could have it so much worse, so and so. And we think of like the worst case scenario and, and we talk ourselves out of feeling pain and emotion. But, but what I'm telling you is that every tear that you cry, everything that, that you feel like has gone wrong in your life, everything that you feel like has been buried, everything, every dream that you feel like that you've had to give up, well, it's not buried, it's planted. And so don't feel like you have to hold back your tears. Just a, a few weeks ago, we, we had a guest speaker, and, and I was doing really good. Because uh, the first two services, it really was hitting me. But I was like, keep it together. Keep it together. And, and I was doing good. But, but the third service, something just broke in me. And I came to the front, and, and I'll be honest, there was a tension inside of me. Because on one hand, I was like, I'm a leader, and, and I don't need to be the one up here crying. But on the other side, I was like, you are a leader. So when you do need something desperate desperately from God. You don't need to hide and act like you don't. And so I was up here crying like a little baby, not because my life was falling apart, but because there's something that I'm believing God for. And so if you're in the room and, 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 and or if you're online and, and nothing has ever gone wrong from you, from you, praise God. But for those of us who are in the room, don't feel like you're holding back your tears and that makes you more spiritual. Don't act like us having a hard heart makes us more spiritual somehow. No, God wants you to cry out to him. God wants you to cry to him. You can't do it on your own. There's some things in my life 
that I can't do by myself. And I would just say, if you're in this room and everything that you want to do, you can do by yourself, then I would ask you, are you really believing God for something? Because the things of God are going to be beyond what we can do. And sometimes that just leads us to crying. Sometimes that leads us to breaking. But when you do cry, the Bible says that you will reap joy. And so I don't know when it's going to come. It may come tomorrow. It may come in three months. It may come in a year. It may come when you meet him in glory and at the, at the gates of heaven. But I do know that as you're sowing tears, you're going to reap joy from God. The last seed that, that everyone has is yourself. And I know I was trying to think of something that starts with a D, but I just couldn't think of it. So <laughs> the last one started with a while. You <laughs> roll with it. In order for you to really thrive, in order for the things that, that God has called you to do to really come to fruition, and in order for the vision of God for your life to happen, we don't just need your money or your time or your, your effort. We, we need all of you. Like, we need, we need you to be all in. This church needs you. We don't need you to come in and take it over. But we do need your gifts and your abilities and, and the way that God has wired you and your spiritual experiences. And we do need your voice and we, and we do need your testimony. And we need the power of God that's in you. So you could come to church every Sunday and, and just sit and talk about all the things that, that you don't like or the things that you love. Or you can, you can roll up your sleeves and you can start to help us cultivate this thing and create a church where, where people can experience God. Your home needs you. You can't just show up to your house with money in your hand and think that, that that's enough. No, your family, your legacy, what your family is, the culture of your home, it needs you. It, it needs 100% of you. You better plant you. Psalm 92.13 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. You need to plant. And planted means being submitted to the vision. You cannot pick up your seat and move every time the weather isn't good. <laughs> every time you don't, you don't like something. And so I'm not saying that it has to be here, but you're going to have to find somewhere where you're going to say, hey, I'm going to plant. I'm, I'm going to plant. I'm going to be sown. I'm going to be submitted. I'm going to be all into my family. I'm going to be all into the team that I'm on. I'm going to be all into my life group. Because here's, what's, here's what planting really means. It means dying. More brings death. And I'm not meaning like when we move to the new building, people are going to start dying, okay? So don't get weird. But what inside of you has to die before you move into more? That pride might have to die. That insecurity might have to die. That impatience might have to die. The, the, the idea of what you thought your life was going to be like, that may have to die. But unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, then nothing is produced. And... When we talk about this, I'm not t telling you this just because I read it. I'm telling you this because I've seen it. I don't know the, the entire story of, of our pastors sowing and starting Be The One Ministries, but, but I heard enough to know that, that it was a sacrifice. I mean, they left the church they were, that they were in, that they had built a legacy in, that they had helped make fruitful. And so they, they gave up all that to start reaching young people because they felt like there was a seed that they had. And so they came to, to a church in Natchitoches. And, and if you pull up a map of Louisiana, I almost forgot where Natchitoches is at. But Pastor Stephen didn't look at that and go, I don't know if I want to sell right there. He came and he sowed some seed. 
and he didn't know that I was going to be there. I'm sure when he start, started to be the one, he wasn't imagining Devin is going to be here. He didn't know who I was. And he sowed, and something began to sprout in my life. And so we got connected. And here's why I really always show them honors, because when I, when I came up here and when I started being around them, it, it wasn't a tree. I'm still not a tree. I got a couple limbs, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> We're growing. But I was just like this little little potted plant, <laughs> just a couple of leaves on it. But he cultivated me. They cultivated me. They put me in the right environment to grow. They told me, hey, don't do this and do this. They told me, hey, if you say it like that, it's going to produce this. They cultivated me. So not only are you going to have to plant something, but you're going to have to start cultivating. And so, so I'm up here, and, and, and one of the things that, that really I felt like God called me to do was was to break the generational curses of like absent fathers in my family. Like generation, like my dad wasn't there for me, his dad wasn't there for him, his dad wasn't there for him. So I felt like God called me to do that. And so I knew that I, I needed to invest in the next generation. Now, I always thought it was going to be youth, but Pastor Stephen asked me, hey, what you think about being a kid's church leader? And I was like, I don't like little kids. <laughs> but I was planted. And so I did it. And I started to sow seed. And I didn't know when I was going to have a kid. I didn't know if I was ever going to start a family. But I knew that what I had in my hand right, th- right then was seed to sow into the next generation. And now I, now I do have a kid. And he's three. And you'll see him running around him. He's a leader, boy. He's going to try to tell you what to do. And you just tell him, bro, ain't nobody listening to you. <laughs> but now he's in our next gen areas. And you know who, who are the number one people who spend time with him and who cultivate him and sow seeds into his life? Other than, obviously, me and Sydney and his grandparents and, and, and other leaders and people that we trust, it's the kids who were in kids' church when I was sowing seed and I didn't know when my family was going to come. It's the kids. That, that's why you can't hold your seed. <laughs> that's why you can't hold your seed. Because you don't know what's going to come from it. And you can't see it right now. And when you put the seed in the ground, not every seed is going to grow something. But over time, there's going to be a harvest. And I don't know everything that God is going to do in my son's life. But I'm believing that the kids who are in kids' church, their kids are going to come to this house. And Malachi is going to sow seeds into their life. And it all is back to when they were in a trailer starting a ministry to reach young people. So don't tell me God won't use your seed. Don't tell me it's insignificant. You know, Earlier we were talking about baseball and, and about me being black, and we, and we kind of laughed, but it's Black History Month, so I got a little, you know what I'm saying, I got a little history for you today. Um, a while ago, we had this man come and, and preach at our church, and man, he's just super smart and knows a ton about history, and, and he started to talk about this man named Harry Hoosier, who was a preacher during the, the Second Great Awakening. And man, I was all ears. I was like, this is exciting, because... Because not only was this man a preacher in the late 1700s and early 1800s, but, but he was an African-American man. And to be black during that time was, I mean, it just wasn't fun. I don't know. You can go read it for yourself. We don't have time for a history lesson. But it just wasn't the cool thing to be. But he, so he was born a slave, but then he got his freedom to become a servant preacher. And so what that means is that he would, he would travel with this white preacher, and the white preacher would, would preach to the white audiences, and, and, and Harry, he would preach to the black audiences. And this man couldn't read. He couldn't, like, he was completely illiterate, but he had a seed. He could preach. Come on, God had transformed his life, and he, I'm talking about he could shuck the corn, okay? And he was so good 
that even the white audiences started to be like, hey, I know you headline this thing, and that's all cool, but we want to go hear the black, like, we want to go hear Harry. Like, we want to go hear Harry Hoosier preach. And so this man led countless white people and black people with the seed that God had given him to repentance. And so I don't know what you feel like is insignificant, and I know you're waiting for the conditions to get good and to get perfect, but if there was ever somebody to say, hey, the conditions aren't right, I'm going to hold my seed, it would be Harry Hoosier, because why would I preach to them? So I can just tell you the conditions aren't going to be right all the time. The ground isn't always going to be good. It's not going to be always the right timing. But none of those things do you control. But you do control your seed. You do control what you give. And you have to be planted for more. Kind of as we land the plane today, you may be thinking, you know what, that sounds good. And that sounds cool. But I don't even know if I know God. I don't even know if I have a relationship with him. And I would just say, for you to even experience more, it has to start with you knowing God. It has to start with you meeting the Father. And the great news is that God sent his son Jesus so you could do exactly that. And Jesus didn't see his life as his own, but he saw it as a seed. He came and he lived a perfect life. And he didn't sin, not once, so that you could be reconciled to the Father. And he died on behalf of you because he saw his life as a seed. And then they buried him. But they didn't really bury him. They planted him because he would, come on, he would come back after three days. And the fruit of all of that happening is that you are saved and you can be in relationship with God. And so you may be here and thinking, why do I even need to be saved? Well, the Bible tells us that we've all sinned. So that doesn't mean you're any more jacked up than me just because I have a microphone. It just means that you've missed the mark of what God said. And you need Jesus to even step into more of a relationship with God. And so with every eye closed and, and head bowed, I would love to give you that opportunity today if you're in this place and you're like, you know what, I want to know Jesus. I want to walk into a relationship with God. That's where my more starts. That's my next step. Come on, with no one looking around, would you just raise your hand in the air? We just want to pray for you. We're not going to embarrass you. God, we thank you for every person in this room, God, that you're ministering to right now. God, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus not to, not to be served, but to serve so that we could be in right standing with you, so that we could walk in relationship with you, so that we could know you. God, right now we repent of our sins and we turn towards you. We confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and we need him in our life. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would empower us and equip us to do what you've called us to do. Those who have been holding back our seed. I've talked about this. Like we've been trying and trying and, and it just, it's just fruitful. Even if we don't ever have another kid, come on, we're going to have spiritual sons and daughters that we're going to invest in. When it would be easy for people to say, well, that's not fair that y'all aren't up here or that should be y'all. But th that's not the focus. The focus is fruitfulness. And whether God does it or doesn't do it, we're going to keep sowing seed. We're going to keep investing. And so you can't stop investing just because you had a little hurt or you're frustrated or you're mad at someone. Your seed is needed. Like you, you have to plant. And so you may be here today and like, how do I even 
get planted. I believe that you can start tithing if you've never tithed before. You can jump into a life group if you've never been in a life group before. Come on, you can serve on a team if you've never served, served before. But don't leave today still holding on your seed. I'm believing that if you'll start sowing now, it won't happen tomorrow. But over the process of time, you'll begin to see a harvest in your life. Come on, let me pray for you. God, I thank you for every person in this room that's been holding back their seed because they think that it's insignificant or they think that it won't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But God, you've called them and you've anointed them and you've placed them in this season where they're at for a reason. So we bind the lie of the enemy that says it's not important. God, we, we bind the, the, the offense that would keep us holding on to our seed. And right now, God, we release it to you. You can do whatever you want to with it. You can cause it to grow. You can cause it not to grow, God. But we're going to be seen as faithful with, with our part and allow you to do your part. So, God, right now, every person in this room, I speak blessings over. I speak abounding in good works over. Because you said that if we'll sow, you'll continue to supply and multiply our seed. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.